Well, good morning. Glad to have you all here this morning. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, this morning, we are continuing our series on heading. And I wanted to start just with a little recap of what heading is. Uh, over three years ago, so all the way back, I went back and looked through the archives. Yeah, NBC has archives. Um, and uh, over three years ago, as pastors and elders, we started asking the question, God, are we heading in the right direction as a church? Are we pointed where you need us to be going? Uh, see, we're a little over 10 years old now as a church, and for the first seven years, we were getting our, our feet wet and learning to walk and kind of just figuring out what it looked like to be a new church uh, in an old building in a in a spot in San Jose. And uh, so we, we set off on this journey, um, this process, a little over three years ago, to just ask, like, God, are we still pointed in the right direction? Are we still doing what you've called us to be doing? Do we need to be pointed in a different direction? And so there was a long process of asking lots of challenging questions, uh, sitting and talking to other pastors, talking to the community, talking to uh, different leaders in San Jose, uh, praying, lots and lots of praying, uh, fasting, discussion. And uh, through this whole process, um, we landed on three things that we really want to be focused on as a church. Uh, to be simple, uh, to focus on the family and to have all members using gifts. And this is uh, what we believe God is pointing us towards and, and the direction that we need to be headed. Um, and so that's what heading is. And, and we're getting in and we're talking about it and we're letting you know where we're headed, headed as a church so that you can be coming along with us. And um, this is not replacing uh, our overall mission, but rather this is giving more detail to how we're pointing our overall mission and our overall mission has continued to be, uh, since the beginning of our church, to make disciples. Uh, that's what Jesus calls us to in Matthew 28, to be making disciples. And uh, so we're continuing to make disciples uh, through the areas of worship and community and sharing uh, what we have. Our gifts, our stories, everything like that. Um, so heading is just... Um, some detailed direction of this. Uh, this morning, uh, we're looking at the third uh, of our three heading points that we're, that we're looking at, and it's gifts. Um, and and we've, we've really tried to boil it down into three words so that you can remember those, simple, family, and gifts. But gifts is actually short for all members using gifts. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The work isn't intended to be done by a few. Rather, it's intended to be done by the whole body. All members, every member should be using the gifts that God is giving them. Now let me just make a little uh, clarifying statement on this word, Members, because we do have membership here at NBC, and uh, there are people that 
have signed a membership covenant, gone through our membership class, and become members of Neighborhood Bible Church. Uh, Dave's going to be talking about this in a few weeks and, and getting more into that. But when we say members here, we're not talking about just those, but rather we're talking about the whole body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12.12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So every Christian is a member of the body of Christ. And so when we say all members using gifts, we're talking about everyone that calls Jesus their Lord. Every single person that calls Jesus their Lord should be using the gifts that God has intended for them to use. Go ahead and open uh, in your Bibles uh, with me up to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Jesus loved telling stories. And he would use stories uh, to get different points across. So you might assume that when uh, we're doing a sermon on gifts we might talk about what specific story? Anyone? Parable of the talents, I heard it. Yeah, the parable of the talents, right? Um, Of course. Um, But let me give you a little bit of context. Because I I grew up hearing this story as a kid. You know, I grew up hearing the story, the parable of the talents. I knew it, uh, but only just recently did I really grab the context of what's going on. See, if you flip back uh, to the beginning of Matthew 24, you see where this discussion with Jesus and his disciples begins. It says this, As Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? This is the question the disciples have asked Jesus. When are you coming? What are the signs we should be looking for? How do we know when the end of the age is? And Jesus begins to answer their question. I love how he begins. He says, See that no one leads you astray. See that no one leads you astray. That's his focus. And then he goes on and talks and talks and talks like Jesus often does. And he talks about the signs of the end of the age, things for them to be looking forward to. Uh, He talks about his second coming. He talks about the fact that no one knows the day or the hour uh, except for God alone. He, He shares the parable of the ten virgins that are waiting for the bridegroom, and some of them are are prepared, and they have oil ready in their lamps, and some of them don't. And then when the bridegroom comes, only some have their lamps lit, and, and others don't. Um, he also, uh, in this same speech, talks about the separation of the sheep and the goats when, when Christ comes back and everyone's brought before him. So this is, is wedged in the middle of all of this stuff about the second coming. Everything else is about being ready for the return of the master. And so if everything else around it is about being ready for the return of the master then guess what this is about? Being ready for the return of the master. And so this is Jesus' point. 
of this whole parable that many of you are familiar with. To be ready for the return of our master, we need to be using our talents. And this is consistent with other scripture. Ephesians 2.10 says that, uh, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And James 2.14 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So as we're waiting for the return of our master, we need to be using the talents that we've been given. So let's take that context as we read this parable. So Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more. Saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed? Then you ought to have invested in my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Lord, as we uh, dive into your word this morning, I pray that we come with humility. I pray that we come with expectancy. I pray that we come ready to hear what you need us to hear. God, I pray that we're able to lay aside our distractions and focus on you this morning. God, that your words will reign supreme. And God, as we we dive into this, we want to hear what you're telling us and not what we might like to hear on our own. So God, speak loudly this morning. Remove distractions and let us hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So uh, in your bulletin, you've got 
a lot of blank space to, to write notes. Um, I don't have a lot of adventurous pictures this morning, just some, a few basic questions that I wanted us to take a look at as we talk about this topic of gifts and about all members using gifts. Question number one is, how do we get gifts? How do we get gifts? Well, very plainly, they're given by the Master. They're given by the Master. Verse 15, it says, To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. They're given by the Master. Now, a little side note. As we go uh, this morning, we're going to be reinforcing Jesus' teaching in this parable with Paul's teaching on spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. So, I'm warning you ahead of time, we're going to be doing a lot of back and forth. Um, but all of this is to show depth and also to point, uh, to point to and clarify truth. So, keep your finger in Matthew 25, flip over to 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to be doing some hopping back and forth as we go. Okay? Given by the Master. How do we get gifts given by the Master? 1 Corinthians 12 talks a lot about spiritual gifts. Verses 6 and 7 say this. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So it's God who empowers them. Each is given. How do we get gifts? They are given by the Master. Second thing to note in this is that they are given as He wills. Verse 15 says something that kind of caught my eye uh, of Matthew 25. It says, um, to another two, to another one, to each according to His ability. Now you can read that and that can easily send someone into this, into this spiral, right? It can go one of two ways. Uh, I don't have lots of gifts. Why don't I have lots of gifts? Does that mean that I don't have lots of ability? Does that mean that God doesn't value me very much? Does that mean that I'm not very capable? What does God think of me? And then you start to feel really, really tiny. But it could easily go the other direction as well. Wow, I have lots of gifts. God must think a lot of me. He looks at me and goes, that's a person that's capable. I'm going to give them lots of gifts. Ha, ha, ha. You're welcome, God. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, sorry. <laughs> I know I just derailed you and I derailed myself too. I apologize. <laughs> But both of these viewpoints create an inaccurate view of God, an inaccurate view of how He views us, and an inaccurate view of who we are. This notion, this idea that, that God's sitting around and watching us and seeing how capable we are and waiting and going, hmm, that Ben, you know, not really valuable. I'm not going to give him a lot of gifts. Or, you know, watching this person over here. Wow, wow, they're really, really talented. I'm going to give them lots of gifts. No, rather, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 12. And this is where this passage comes in and supplements our other passage really well. 
1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then verses 8 through 10, he goes on and lists different gifts that he gives out. Look at verse 11. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. As He wills. And this is so important. Because it's God that is doing the deciding. It's God that has decided beforehand, I'm going to give this person these gifts, and I'm going to give this person these gifts. And I'm doing it all because I can see all, and I know all, and I have a strategy, I have a vision, I know what I'm doing. And so far be it from us to sit and go, well, gosh... I don't have a lot of gifts. And, and he says it was given according to ability. So I must not have a lot of ability. God doesn't think a lot of me. Or, wow, I have a lot of gifts. God must think a lot of me. That's utter nonsense. That's not how God works. God gives as he wills. He does it with intentionality. He sees with purpose because he's wiser than us. He's higher than us. He knows more. I understood this a little bit when I was a basketball coach and, you know, putting a kid on the bench and him getting frustrated, but I'm really good. And I'm going, no, 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 I I, I see the bigger picture. And you need to sit here while this person goes in and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But boy, did I really get this concept when I became a dad. Uh, Micah's sitting right here. It is his eighth birthday today. Yeah. Yeah, so eight years ago, I was, right now, I was a brand new father holding this little thing like, what am I going to do with this? Um, And I still say that sometimes. Um, But uh, Micah's got a lot of energy. He bounces around a lot. And uh, when he was younger, he liked to jump on the couch. And I would tell him, Micah, don't jump on the couch. You're going to fall off, hit your head on the coffee table, and split it open. Okay, Dad. Well, ten minutes later, there he is, jumping on the couch. Micah, don't jump on the couch. You're going to fall off, hit your head on the coffee table, and split it open. Okay, Dad. Next day, Micah's jumping on the couch. Micah. Don't jump on the couch. You're going to fall off, hit your head on the coffee table, and split it open. Well, he comes to me, and he's upset because he's split his head open. (laughs) Go, Micah, what were you doing? (laughs) Anyone want to venture a guess? (laughs) Dad, I was jumping on the couch, and I fell off, and I hit my head on the coffee table and split it open. (laughs) So we took a nice little trip to the ER, and he learned a valuable lesson. (laughs) That his dad knew what he was doing. His dad knew what he was saying. His dad had intentionality in telling him not to jump on the couch. His dad wasn't trying to zap his fun and take it away, but rather had an idea 
that was higher than his little three-year-old mind could comprehend. But don't we do the same to God? We do. Yeah, God, I I know you gave me these gifts, but you know what? I'm going to do this instead. Or I I know you've told me to go over here, but I don't really think that's going to be that helpful. So I'm going to try to do this instead. No, God knows what he's doing. God, why did you give me this gift? That's not exciting. God, why did you give this to me? It's a heavy burden to carry. Guess what? He knows what he's doing. And he hands them out as he wills. That's how we get our gifts. As he wills. His plans and how he gives or distributes gifts may not make sense to you. That doesn't mean you get to sit on the sidelines, though. So what does this mean? We have these two little things. This means, first of all, that everyone has gifts. Everyone has gifts. The master gives to each of his servants. But even more so, we are all parts of one body. Each of us has a role. We just read it in 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 6. It says, it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Verse 7, to each is given. And in 1 Peter 4.10, it says, as each has received a gift. Each, everyone. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Some of you may be struggling with this concept. You may feel like you don't have a gift. I'm telling you, you do. Everyone has a gift. Maybe you don't know what your gift is. A couple things to do here. First of all, try something out. Just get going. We'll talk about more of this in a minute. Uh, Take a spiritual gifts test. While this is never a perfect solution, it will help you move in a direction you're gifted in. Or maybe you know what your gift is, but you don't think it's useful or valuable. Again, nonsense. Find a way to use it. If you need help, talk to one of the pastors, elders, ministry leaders, your community group leader. Talk to the people around you. Come up with ideas. Remember, it is God who has willed you to have this gift. Everyone has gifts. Second, all gifts belong to God. Every gift belongs to God. In Matthew 25, he starts out by saying, uh, the man's going on a journey, he calls his servants and entrusted to them his property. And then when he comes back, the servants come and say, here, your five talents have earned five more. Here, this is yours. Not just the five talents you started me with, but the other five as well. Here. Not just the two you started me with, but the other two. Here. All gifts belong to God. So the credit then goes to God. Right? Because they're His gifts. So this is a question for you to be thinking about as you're using the gifts that God has given you. Who gets the glory as I'm using this gift? 
So when we see someone doing this well, it's okay to thank them for using their gift. Wow, I see you using the gift that God has given you. Thank you for doing that. And when you're thanked, yes, it's okay to say you're welcome or to receive their thanks. That person is appreciating your contribution to the body of Christ. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. That encourages me. Of course, if you ever catch yourself hunting for these compliments, it's time to reevaluate where the glory is going as you're using your gift. But all gifts belong to God. Third thing we learn from this is that we need to value every gift. Value every gift. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Paul goes on and just uses this beautiful analogy of the body. And he, and he talks about through uh, verse 14 all the way through 24. Well, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. Well, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. Well, hold on. If every part were an eye, where'd the sense of smelling be? Smelling be, right? And then also, the eye cannot say to the hand, I, I have no need of you. And so he points out, like, on both sides of the spectrum, that we need to value every single gift. Every single gift is valuable. Through this passage, he says, uh, he's telling us not to be jealous or to minimize your gift. Ah, I wish I had that gift. I wish I was that part of the body. I wish I could do that. Well, no. That's not what God has willed for you. God has willed you to be over here and be doing this part. And it's just as important as that part. It might not look to be as important, but it's just as important. So you be faithful in your role. Don't be jealous. Don't be wishing you had someone else's gift. Don't be minimizing your gift. Ah, mine's not that important. No, it is. But then on the other side, as he's talking, starting in verse 21, I don't need you. No, no, no. Don't be proud or minimize other gifts. Well, everyone sees my gift. Everyone says thank you when I use my gift. My gift is important. I can see the change that my gift is making. Mm, You're missing it. And you're not opening your eyes enough to realize the other gifts that are being used around you. You're not realizing the value of what other people are doing. And you need to be paying attention to that. Don't minimize other gifts. We need to value gifts that are different than ours. I have a huge appreciation to people with administrative gifts. Because I don't have that. It's not me. So thank you to those that I serve with often that are putting their admin gifts to use. Thank you. But we also need to value similar gifts. This one's harder for me because I can often feel threatened when someone shows up and has a gift that's very similar to mine and starts using theirs and, well, hold on. That's what I'm doing. No, 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 no. You can't have that part. That's for me. But we need that. We need others to come in with gifts similar to ours to sharpen our own gifts, to help us grow, to help them grow, to learn things from others. We need to value similar gifts as well. So value every single gift. All right, moving on. That's how we get gifts. Now, how do we use gifts? Now, I just mentioned 
that all gifts belong to God. So all the glory and the credit goes back to God. So how do we use gifts? First of all, we use them for God's glory. We use our gifts for God's glory. As we're anticipating the return of our Savior, remember, this is what Jesus is talking about in this parable. The Master's coming back. Use your gifts. Use them well. Be ready. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. How else do we use gifts? Immediately. Boy, I love this in this parable. Verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. This guy knew his role. I've got these five talents. The master has given them to me. It is my job to get going. It's my job to take the talents that he's given to me and get moving with them. Start using them now. Not sit around and wait until I come up with this amazing idea and then use them, but start using them now. And as I'm using them, maybe that amazing idea will come. Or as I'm using them, I'll learn more. Or as I'm using them, whatever. So why wait? The master was upset at the servant that didn't use his gift. I find it interesting just to try to think about what was going through his head while he was waiting. I mean, he goes out and buries it, but like, did he just forget about it and leave it there? Maybe. Or maybe he was sitting going, ah, oh, boy, uh-oh, that guy's getting close to where I, I buried it. He, I'd better get him out of the way. Or is that really what I'm supposed to be doing? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but if I pull it out, you know, it, it might go bad and I might lose it. Mm, he, he might have been sitting there and just wrestling with this often. But you know what stopped him from using it? Fear. He was afraid of what would happen if he didn't return with the master's gift when the master came back. Fear stopped him in his tracks. So don't let fear stop you from using the gifts that you have. Don't let fear stop you. Use them immediately. The sooner you start, the more opportunity you will have to grow and develop your gift. I love people that can't wait to use their gifts. Uh, in children's ministry, we have an age requirement to allow people to, to start using their gifts. And there have been a couple that were in children's ministry that were like, when can I start? When can I start? Can I start now? I want to start. I want to start helping. Can I start now? Can I start now? Okay, you graduated. Great. Okay, can I get my paperwork filled out? Hey, did you send that paperwork? I need to get that paperwork. Can you process that? I want to get going. I want to start. I want to start. I love that. Love it. It's fantastic. I love people excited about getting the opportunity to use their gifts. So how do we use them? We use them immediately. How else do we use them? We use them faithfully. Look at verses 20 to 23 of, of Matthew 25. He who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, and let's not skip over this because it's the same as the first, but pay attention to this. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Said exactly the same thing to the guy that brought five more. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Notice that the size of the results, the size of the gift, didn't matter. What mattered was the faithfulness of the servant. The faithfulness is what mattered. So don't sit there going, well, I don't have as many gifts as that person. No, no, no. God doesn't want you to size up against somebody else. He wants you to be faithful with what he's given you. And this, like I said, is developed through usage. Our our gifts are developed as we use them. We've got to put our gifts to work. And that's how we're going to develop them. And that's how we're going to grow. I was a junior in high school and my youth pastor said, Ben, I want you to start leading worship. I knew like five chords on the guitar. And he threw me in and I started leading. And sometimes I was playing a song and I'm like, uh-oh, I don't know that chord. And I'm up in front of all the youth, you know, and I go, you know, and just kind of skip it and keep on going. And then I go, you know, I better learn that chord the next time we play that song. So I go home and I study and I work and I, and I develop my gift and I spend time practicing and I work and I work and I grow. It was a little bumpy at first, but I've been able to use that gift for years And years and years. I've been playing the guitar for over two decades. And it's just been awesome to be able to use that gift time after time. But it started with me going, I'm going to work at it. I don't care that I don't know six chords. I I know five and I'm going to use my gift. I'm going to get going. Now, this was under guidance and leadership, and my youth pastor, Ben, you know, that wasn't a very good job. Thanks. <laughs> but then he'd say, you know, how, how about I sit down and teach you some, some chords? You know, how about we take time practicing together? How about I help you develop? How about I help you grow in this? So I'm not talking about, you know, diving in when you know absolutely nothing. I promise Micah won't be leading worship next Sunday. Okay. <laughs> you want to? <laughs> no. <laughs> mm. But I love hearing about people that have been serving in their role or serving in their ministry faithfully for decades. It's amazing to hear the stories of how God has moved over the years as they've continued to serve faithfully. How else do we use gifts? We use them with love. And this we see in 1 Corinthians 13. So Paul spends this whole chapter in 1 Corinthians 12 talking about gifts. And then he says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, which he just talked about as one of the spiritual gifts, but have not love... 
I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. This is what I need to be reminded of often. That we need to use our gifts with love. Because let's be honest, sometimes when we're using our gifts, we don't feel like it. We're not excited about it. We're having a hard time. We're annoyed. We're frustrated. Whatever it may be. I've done this so many times and I just can't stand it and no one appreciates me. and Whatever it is. What's helped me often is stopping and praying for the people that I'm serving. Or trying to capture God's heart. How would Jesus be serving in this same role? I loved hearing the story of uh, these people out at this church, this huge church in Illinois. And they'd come every Saturday and vacuum every seat in their few thousand seat auditorium. Menial task. Not a lot of praise. But as they'd go and vacuum each seat, they'd be praying for the person that would be sitting in that seat the next morning. God, I pray for this person that's coming to church. Maybe they don't know you. And they would use their gift with love. Second Corinthians 9.7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We use this often when talking about giving of our finances. But if you read the whole chapter of 2 Corinthians 9, it's talking about so much more than just financial giving. It's talking about giving your service, giving your time, giving what you have. God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. On your sheet, there's a, there's a whole bunch of questions for you to, to take home and to discuss. And usually we do those in our community groups, but our community groups are on pause right now. And so uh, instead of doing it with your community groups, maybe you sit down with your family and go over some of these questions and talk about spiritual gifts. Or, or maybe you get together with a few other people and sit and take some time and go over these questions. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff in Second Corinthians 9 that I ask about in there. All right, finally, why do we have gifts? Why do we have gifts? First, we have gifts to share in the Master's joy. We just saw that God loves a cheerful giver. Verses 21 and 23 of our passage in Matthew 25, he says, Enter into the joy of your Master. They had those gifts to be able to serve faithfully. And once the master returned, to share in his joy. So we have gifts to be able to share in the master's joy. He doesn't give them to say, all right, get going. Do what I ask you. You're probably not going to enjoy it. No. But rather, he gives them to share in his joy. Second, we have gifts to grow the master's kingdom. The master gave his servants this talent so they could grow, not their own kingdom or their own stature, but to grow his kingdom. 
Gria and I are diving into the book of Acts together. Jesus left behind his faithful servants to grow his kingdom, giving them various gifts to help them along the way. And that started in Acts, but it continues to this day and will continue until Jesus returns. Again, this is what Jesus was trying to get across in this parable. Use your gifts faithfully to grow the kingdom as much as possible until Christ's return. We were commissioned to go, to make disciples. That's what Jesus left his disciples with. Go, grow the church. Tell everyone we have gifts to grow the master's kingdom. Third, we have gifts for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, I've read it a couple of times. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So if you see a way to contribute to the common good, do it. It might not always be the most glamorous of roles, but it's there to contribute to the common good. We had this amazing time uh, up at Hume Lake last week where we got to be a part of a persecuted church. It was this simulation that we got to experience. And uh, my role was to be the pastor of this hidden underground church. And as people were showing up, being persecuted on their way in, um, I was greeting them as they were coming in. Hey, you're here. You're safe. You know, come and worship with us. But as more and more came in, I was over here and helping to lead worship. And I was, you know, uh, encouraging people and praying with people. And I said to a couple, hey, get back there and greet people as they come in. And a few people were like, okay, I'll do it. And so off they went and they greeted people and they welcomed them in. And I was so excited to watch them get to be a part of the body and get to be using a gift and just a smiling face and, and, and welcoming somebody in. We're all in this together. It says later in 1 Corinthians 12, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We're doing this for the good of the body. And so sometimes that means suffering together. Sometimes that means rejoicing together. We need to be ready to serve our brothers and sisters in every way we can to build up the body. But ultimately, why do we have gifts? We have gifts for God's glory. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Yes, we're supposed to be using these gifts. We're supposed to be generous. But it produces thanksgiving to God. Let me invite the band up. In Matthew 5, it says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to who? To your Father who is in heaven. We have gifts for God's glory that when they look at us, they may see Him. So let me leave you with this final question. 
Who are you serving? Jesus speaks to this not long after the passage I just read in Matthew 6. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Are you doing what you're doing for your own glory, for the recognition of your name? Or are you using your gifts so that when people look at you, they don't see you, but they see Jesus? God, as we sing this song and and proclaim this truth, it's your breath in our lungs. God, let that remind us of the beautiful gifts that you have given us and how we need to be using them. Why we have them at all. It's not for our glory. It's not for our fame. But it is all about you. It is for you. So that when people look at us, they see you. God, give us the strength to continue to be faithful so that people will see you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is why we have these gifts. It's His breath in our lungs. His breath. And that is what allows us to pour out our praise to Him. his breath let me just give you uh, a couple of tangible steps because some of you might be wondering okay what, what's next I, I want to serve I, I want to be using some gifts I want to start with just a few call outs because there's a few different stories y- you need to know about um, first of all uh, this guy that was trying to take over and preach for me James um, he, uh, he filled out this connect card. On the back it says, I'd like to serve by. And he just wrote the word coffee. Which we understood. Um, he saw a need and he said, I can fill that need. And he stepped up and today was his first day doing it, making coffee. And uh, yeah, we're excited for that. But he saw a need and he filled it. He said, I can do that. I can start serving. Uh, We had someone with a unique gift, uh, a gift for finance and administration, uh, sat down with me and Dave and said, hey, I I have this unique gift. Could that be helpful? And and we put her to work. And she's been uh, taking care of the church's finances uh, for a couple of years now. Um, And it's just been amazing to have her, and she comes and serves faithfully. Uh, And she came with this unique gift and just said, how can we use it? We had someone else come with a unique availability. Hey, I'm not really available on Sundays much, but I can come and serve during the week. And we said, fantastic. 
and, and she's been coming faithfully for a couple of years and serving in the middle of the week, serving her church. Uh, I put a few tangible steps on your sheet uh, that you can get going right now, a few needs that the church has. Uh, number one, uh, foster the base support friends. Michelle, just wave your hand. That's Michelle Whitfield. Uh, go and talk to her after service or uh, just ping her on the city. Um, but that's one way to get involved. We've got uh, people that are being foster parents and just need some support and some love from other people. Uh, and that's one way that you can get involved. Uh, in children's, uh, we need some pre-K teachers and we need some lower elementary teachers and helpers. You can come talk to me about that. Uh, in the back, uh, every single Sunday, we've got faithful people back there running our sound, running our slides, recording. Yeah, give it up for them. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for everything that you do and how you faithfully serve. Um, and uh, they, they would love to have some other people back there as well. Uh, we can train you in any one of those things. There's lots of snazzy buttons there that I have no idea what they do. Um, but they do, and they can tell you uh, and point you in the right direction. So there's different names by each one of those on your sheet as well uh, to get contacted. Um, but, you know, maybe you have a unique gift, and maybe you need to fill out one of these cards and just kind of write down, this is what I have. I need some help in figuring out how to get going. We'd love to help you with that. This is one of our focuses as we're moving forward, getting all members using their gifts, every single person, because it doesn't, every, everything doesn't land on me and Dave to, to do everything. That's not what we're here for. We're here to help you use the gifts that God has given you to move forward God's kingdom. And we'd love to help you with that.